You sit there and thump your calculator and say your times tables and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your prime numbers. Talk about pi. 3.14 to two decimal places. Scrivens 3.14 says, I just did your maths. All of it. <laughs> All you got to do is go and buy a cheap t-shirt from newgenpodcast.bigcartel.com and get back some of the equations that you had in your prime. And welcome to the New Generation Project podcast, the home of cricket, applied mathematics, Bruce Springsteen and Alan Partridge. My name is Stuart Brooks, and I'm joined today by our very own backstage terrors. It's the 123.14 kid, Paul Scrivens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I thought you'd like yeah, that Yeah, I do. I do like and it last call, Adam Wikes. Hello. That's also appropriate. It's an OVO. <laughs> I'm not. It's late on a Sunday. You know, they say all men are created equal, but you look at me and you look at small Joe, and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak, and I'm not normal. So you got a 25% at best at beating me. And then you add Kurt Angle to the mix, your chances of winning drastically go down. See, the three-way at sacrifice, you got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me and he's not even going to try. So, small Joe, you take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25% chance and you got an eight and a third chance of winning at sacrifice. But then you take my 75% chance of winning if we used to go one-on-one and then add 66 and two-thirds percent. I got 141 and two-thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. The following are our favorite at WrestleMath suggestions. Tom Roper. Paul Scrivens leads up a band of noted maths enthusiasts, Scott Steiner, percentiles, WCW's The Gambler, probability and odds, AAA's Octagon and Pentagon, geometry, and a returning Sean Waltman defecting from the click and rebranded as Solve for X-Pac, Algebra, <laughs> to form the Nation of Denomination. Just genius. Very nice. Who's the who's the gambler, did you say? He's like a WCW C&D show jobber. Oh, right. But he's got his own gimmick and he has cards and stuff. Oh, fair enough. Solve, Solve for X-Pac is Solve for X-Pac is genius. Yeah. And Scott Steiner's speciality being percentiles is also great. <laughs> The, the, this thread, because I did see that one, um, it had a few other really good comments on. So a few of the people, somebody put about sign guy diddly, and, and that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Johnston, in a nod to episode one, Tatanka versus Max Moon in a full moon melee. An outdoor <laughs> match in the middle of the night, winner is the one with the most falls after two moons. <laughs> how, how much would two moons actually be? Can you even remember? I think it'd be an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, wasn't uh, a third of a moon was 15 minutes, minutes yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm gutted we kind of never got to cover any Max Moon. Yes, yeah. I mean, we've, we talked briefly, but we've, yeah, yeah seen we, any. we've never seen him. It's very I'm, upsetting. I'm gutted that they never made one of those figures of Max Moon, because that, that would yeah, have Yeah, one of those amazing. Jack's classics yeah, would have been yeah. very nice, yeah. Could have gone alongside our Divas range. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Pickford. Scott Steiner teams up with Casio to endorse a range of pocket and scientific <laughs> calculators. <laughs> The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you. <laughs> no, no, I really like that. Why did I get that one? Because I thought you'd laugh better at it than reading okay, it. Okay, yeah. all right, thank you. Peter Sanzoni. The brothers Scrivens team up as sign and cosine Scrivens. Unfortunately, their promos go on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Sure way to get read out for something designed to make Paul laugh yeah. is to do mathematical jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. You, you'll like this next yeah. one, though, Paul. It's Pythagoras. Good, yeah. <laughs> this character will be played by Mike Rotunda. Yeah. 
the king's personal mathematician who uses geometric angles and probability to put his opponents down for the 3.141592 count. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, who came good. up with that that's one good. the gold star to them David Gray Bob Backland is frequently spotted watching Countdown <laughs> where he berates contestants for giving answers of less than six letters <laughs> <laughs> he has a tendency to snap if anyone gets a conundrum before him I, I really like Countdown but perhaps for slightly different reasons I would pay good money for Bob Backlund. I'll pay his airfare for Bob Backlund to come over and be on Countdown. In Dictionary Corner. Yeah. Bob Backlund. <laughs> Shouting at people. <laughs> We're going to build a bridge. <laughs> See, I went through a stage of watching it a bit and getting loads of the conundrums right. The last few times I watched it, I've not got it. Sorry. Unlucky. Tom Roper. Stone Cold Steve Austin secretly professes his love for trigonometry by constructing and analysing in-ring angles, writing signs to be handed out and working on his tan. Why? Because Stone Cold said so. <laughs> that, no, that, that, that is brilliant. I thought you'd like that one. Yes. Jordan Higgins. The Mathematic. The Mathematic. <laughs> it's a made-up word. Yeah, yeah, it's a made-up word. Jordan Hiddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know where you can just see two words and they make you laugh? <laughs> Jordan Higgins. The Mathematic. <laughs> Honouring the greatest numerical minds in wrestling. Featuring the 123 Kid, IRS, hashtag WrestleMaths, Hall of Famer, Scott Steiner, and of course, The Rock. His tireless devotion to Pi, hosted by Paul Scrivens. The evening is cut short due to Adam showing up and demanding an algebra and panties match. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is one of the best puns I've heard in a long time. Mm. Algebra and panties mm. match. Very good. Do you think that would mix your two's interests? Certainly got me covered. Yeah, pretty much. Harry Green, Connect Four Horsemen. Oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> Very good. I think I saw that come up in the suggestions thought, that is good. It is. Particularly because it involves a number <laughs> at WrestleMath Sega. Carrie Brimmer. Macho Man Randy Savage relaxes by going on his computer and making spreadsheets on Microsoft Excel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Summit. <laughs> one of my favourite things on um, on Excel is pasting links and conditional formatting <laughs> oh and data validation episode 47 will be conditional formatting in Excel with Paul Scrivens I actually wanted to finish those suggestions on your macho man impression because we've not heard it for a while no no oh yeah aside from the macho man impression that was a cracking set of suggestions yeah good. yeah Thank you very much, you know. Since I took care of Mr. Gennady so quickly, I came prepared. Excuse me. Malenko, you claim to be the man of a thousand holes, but I counted, and you know about 60, but I know a thousand and four, and I wrote them all down. Here we go. Hold one, arm drag. Hold two. Arm bar. Hold three. The moss covered three handled family gradunzel. Why does he Number just four, mail us this list and we'll announce arm it? Bar. He's just ranting. Number five. The Saskatchewan spinning nerve hole. This must be meathead microphone night. You think so? He's got 998 to go. I must say, I did like this early on in this match when they did bring up the, the notion of time, which is you kind of alluded to earlier because I did mention that it was a 15 minute time limit but Tatanka would apparently class that as one third of a moon yeah. excellent <laughs> excellent I, speaking of Randy Savage's commentary I get the feeling he sometimes begins sentences with no idea of where they're finishing kind of how he cut promos as well true he keeps babbling and there's a sentence he says that goes king of the ring prestigious um something <laughs> <laughs> you say it in the macho man voice, voice, it probably sounds a bit better. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It probably has a lot more gravitas to it than mine. <laughs> so they get a fairly hot open with throwing to Tonker out the ring. He re-enters and throws Luger's mirror on top of him. It then settles into what can loosely be described as a pace. I presume in wrestling, when you book a 15-minute draw, a 30-minute draw, or an hour draw, you inform the wrestlers of this and they plan what they're going to do in their sequences around building to something. And either if you are going to do a draw, you build to something like where someone hits their finisher and just doesn't get the three or something like that. Mm. This just 
went on. It was 15 yeah. minutes, but it felt like an hour. It, it lost my interest for, for at least the first 10 minutes. I had no interest in this match. There was nothing yeah. of note going on until they started bringing up the, the time limit because that started coming up, I think, with 4.45 to a moon to go. They, they... <laughs> How long is that? Well, that's four minutes. <laughs> right, 4.45 of a moon. Yeah. At one point, Heenan claims Luger is ahead on points by 23,000 to four. Um, again, no one really sells it, which which kind of sucks. Monsoon would have, but Heenan and Ross don't. Tonka's offence, all he really has is chops. They even go to repeating the Brett Razor armbar body slam stuff, which they did in their opening match. And it again, it, it just kind of drags. I noticed Luger repeatedly adjusts his pants. There's not really any any holds or moves in it. There's, there's Someone looks like they're going to do something, then they get chopped or punched down. Mm. Then they move slowly around and just do it again. So nothing ever has any sort of like momentum to it. It's just all very flat all the time. I think that's what makes it just last forever. Yes, and um, um, for myself, the difficulty that I have watching this is that you're used to kind of planning things around a couple of big spots, but the big spots that we see in this era of wrestling aren't the same as the big spots that I'm used to seeing, and it takes yeah. it takes yeah. a little bit of getting used to, and actually, because the peaks of the match are different to the peaks for a more modern match, so it takes a bit of getting used to. Your, your, your big spot is like a, a top rope chop. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not or, or a flip over. Yeah, that's it's... that's to say that was a technical term. I, I wonder if both of them are just so gassed from the start. They both do look completely out of breath after that fairly rapid first minute. I mean, I knew this was a fifteen-minute draw going into it, and I thought of all the people to choose to give fifteen minutes to, they picked Lex Luger and Tonka. Then the first minute happens, and I was kind of like, oh, maybe this will be okay because there's a good pace. You get the mirror tossing over spot, that kind of thing. And after that first minute, the following fourteen minutes happened, and I remembered why. I thought, why would they give? 15 yeah. minutes yeah, I mean, I mean, in the first after, place after they call the uh, after the commentators call the 445th of a moon they, they count us down to 115th of a moon <laughs> 245th of a moon um, <laughs> um, to, and then they, and then they get to what do they get to uh, 30th of a moon and then a 90th of a moon again that's the problem with the end of the match is that you would think the referee would be communicating right yeah. you've got 90 seconds yeah, left there's the, there's the countdown but there's no urgency whatsoever yeah. like Lex Luger's still moving at just a snail's pace with everything that he does there's not even like a rush to get a pin no it's, it's like he doesn't know there's a time limit for this yeah, match he's, at all it's like he, he's just not being watched he, he thinks they're still on five minutes yeah, yeah. and Tatanka can't see the moon I mean yeah. <laughs> so, so he has no idea <laughs> Diesel has actual music now. I know. I just, I'm a big fan of that. A bit of harmonica. Yeah. Prefer it to the noise of a truck. Yes. Yeah, to the offensive uh, I, sound. I thought, I know we commented on last time, but the video wall with the kind of smash. I like that. that. Yeah. I really like that. It, I thought it was brilliant. Has he got some sort of like, is it curtain or glass that comes down? Yeah. That yeah. sort of it's, smashes it's when It's like the Stone Cold down. thing, isn't it? Only not quite. Uh, yeah, it's a bit primitive version of but look good, I thought. Yeah. He also has a tinfoil vest now. Yes. In case he needs to bake himself. He gets nowhere near as big a reaction as Brett. No. I mean, I, I couldn't necessarily work out where he was in, in the kind of the heel-face scheme of things at the minute with the reaction that he got. Well, he's turned babyface, but I do wonder if it's one of those examples of when they turn a heel babyface, he then stops getting the cheers because he's not as cool as yeah. he was when he was a heel. Mm. It kind of felt that way because it was actually pretty over before. Yeah. And as he says, it's just one of those things as being a heel that people like will get you cheers. He shakes hands with LT and some guy with a mullet. Well, L- it was a nice mullet. It's a yeah. bit receding, but it was nice. LT, that they, they, they talk about number 56? Yeah. Is that his number, presumably? I presume so. Because, I mean, 56 is quite an interesting number. Oh, here we go. Mathematically. Because it's it's actually the sum of the first six triangular numbers. making it Didn't te- you put this on Twitter a while ago? No, 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 I'm going to go into that. But it... 56, because it's the sum of the first six six triangular numbers, or it's the sum of some triangular numbers, makes it a tetrahedral number, triangular-based pyramid. The tweet that you're referring to, Stuart, is um, <laughs> the one that I did on the day of WrestleMania when I was doing about the number 30. The number 30 is the sum of the first four square numbers. Right, okay. I thought I remembered something. Yeah. 56 is actually, coincidentally, it's the sum of the first six odd prime numbers. Thanks for that. At WrestleMass. <laughs> that was valid that time. I'll give you that. Piper keeps sticking the mic in Backlund's face and the crowd laughs when he does it, which is not the reaction you want. And it's a wired mic, yeah, so he has to go over and keep picking it up. We get a figure four from 
Brett and Bob sort of goes into the mic. Backlund twists the holdover and Piper sticks the mic in Brett's face. And yes, this is where we get the little shot of the German announcers. They also terms talk that the about this match in terms of it's going to be equal with respect to the scientific knowledge and skills. Yeah. So from that, I'm going to deduce that there's going to be a segment in the middle of the match where Bob can explain the carbon cycle in great detail, talking about. <laughs> respiration and photosynthesis and combustion but on the other side of things that brett would explain about the gravitational potential energy of bam bam bigelow standing on the top rope <laughs> i imagine bob Backlund could explain photosynthesis to you well yeah i mean i mean what i was going to go into because I, I thought that in my head and i thought well let's do that calculation so gravitational potential energy <laughs> which would be which would be measured in joules is equal to the mass which is in kilograms, people confuse mass and weight all the time, but mass in kilograms times the gravitational field strength, which is in, measured in newtons per kilogram, multiplied by the height in metres. So I think the listed weight is about 177 kilos for Bam Bam. Gravitational field strength on Earth, it actually does vary where you are depending on the Earth, but I think a rough average is about 9.81, 10 if you want to do a rough calculation. And I was trying to find out what the height of the top rope in WWE is, and I saw a couple of times five feet. I don't know if that's roughly right or, or not, but It'd be that's about, than that. it's about 1.5 metres, and that comes out to about 2,000, 2,604.5 recurring joules, if you wanted to know about the gravitational potential energy of Bam Bam Bigelow on the top rope. Oh, fuck off with your mic, Roddy Piper. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Paul. That was lovely. Well, it's in it verbatim. And you know what? That's Sid Vicious's music. Oh, you don't want to insult that man. Make him mad. He'll take on that. He'll take on Hall. He'll do it all. You can just push a man his side so far. See? I've had enough for you, too. See? You've screwed me. You're trying to make trying to make me look like a jackass! See, it all stops tonight! See, Nash, you can wear any Halloween costume you want to! But you know and I know that you are only half the man that I am! brain that you do. But week after week, you tried to make me look like a jackass, but it stops tonight. And for you all, the road to WCW, the heavyweight championship of the world. Andrew Scythe name how would wrestle maths improve the federal income tax code it's a good question but i, I have um no idea um, <laughs> in terms of uh, see i don't really know what is in the federal income tax code what i would do is if, if i had complete economic control would probably be to You'd tax... book a load of face versus face matches and yeah versus, probably would. Um, i guess i'd tax different things so things that annoy me and frustrate me, I would I would levy charges on. Um, <laughs> so, for example, people who stand and get in the way in supermarkets <laughs> would have to pay more by the time they get to the checkouts. <laughs> and you'd know this by you'd, you'd have like you'd have some kind of device to detect how long they've been in the supermarket and how many items. Because if you're doing a big shop, it's going to take a while. Yeah. But it, but if you're doing a small shop and you've been in there an hour and a half, there's something seriously wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like one of those tracker things that you could put in your car that helps bring your insurance down. Yeah, yeah, like that. Or so, like an anklet that you know people get for asbos. So, so, but or, or if your trolley is is stationary at the end of your aisle for more than fifteen seconds, it starts beeping. Um, but it, like nothing, like like because I don't mind actually people people stopping and having a chat in a supermarket. If you see somebody, you, you want to stop and have a chat. But it's like move and get out of the way first before you start talking. <laughs> That's the um, best answer. That wins yeah, the entire yeah, yeah. show. <laughs> and people that drive inconsiderately. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and within that, I, I, one of the things that I class as inconsiderate is when people are trying to be considerate but get it all wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but do, do you know what I mean? I mean, you don't drive, Stuart, so you, no. you might not... 
kind of get this so much, but when people think, oh, they'll see somebody waiting to pull out and they will kind of flash to let them out or something, but not realise that that's impinging and, and, and having an effect on other traffic and there is a highway code that you should abide. People that are wanting to turn but don't bother to get into the filter lanes when the filter lane becomes available. <laughs> yeah, things, things like that. That, that would... That they would solve would, the day. They'd be charged through the nose and... The, the, <laughs> <laughs> They'd learn from that pretty quickly. Oh, interesting. Patrick Young, did you ever work out how many Big Macs would be in a cubic metre of Big Macs? If you could move one wrestler into the new gen, who would it be and why? If you could move one wrestler into another era from the new gen, who would it be and why? Well, let's start off. So yesterday, because I knew that question had come up, yeah, we did do the Big Mac calculations. We did indeed. I went to McDonald's and I bought a Big Mac meal and a spare Big Mac. I (laughs) came over to, to here, I ate the Big Mac meal, and then we proceeded to wrap the other Big Mac up in cling film. And to ascertain its volume, we we displaced some water, and we found out the volume of the Big Mac to be a roughly 350. It was a difficult one to do, it accurately. Was, I mean, it's an approximate, isn't it? It's very know? much an approximate, because the measuring jug that we were using had been ruined. Stuart, tell us the story about how the measuring jug got ruined. I stirred it with a fork with instant mashed potato, and, and that... It- Seemingly ruined the measuring jug. Yeah, it's like the scale was nigh and impossible to read. We were yeah. having to to guess slightly. But but the, the Big Mac was undamaged. It was edible after we submerged it. It floated. Yeah. We had to poke it down to get well, an you know, reading. It's, beef burgers are full of fat. Yeah. So, you know, there's why you feed them to swans. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's why you feed them to swans. Anyway, I hope no swans die because of what we've said. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so our calculation came out at there's one million cubic centimetres in a cubic metre. And so we did one million divided by 350. So can't do this, just do that in my head. So let me get the calculator up. It's 2,857 Big Macs in a cubic metre. That's a lot of Big Macs. A lot of Big Macs. Austin Beatty asks or says. You have been signed to the WWF in 1995. What is your gimmick? Who do you feud with? And what member of the clique has it in for you? I would be the mathematician because I would add to your misery. (laughs) Would you team up with Dean Douglas? No. (laughs) I think Shawn Michaels would have it in for me because I don't think he has a high regard for arithmetic. (laughs) Well, this this is a question for me. This is appropriate. Connor Ennis, Mr Scriven, sir, I applaud your rigor in calling me sir thank you which wrestler do you think would give you the most trouble in a battle of wrestle maths the genius irs umanga anyone else nobody would give me any trouble because <laughs> <laughs> um, i guess my at wrestle maths character has to kind of have this arrogant, arrogant side to it that'd be part of my kind of gimmick wrestle maths character giorgio vanetti i have a question for at wrestle maths with you being the maximum expert in all of wrestling on the subject of maths and maths-related measurements, I'm sure you'll be able to answer the question that has been puzzling wrestling fans for years and years now. In your opinion, judging from his physical mass, his velocity of movements, and his all-round intriguing pelvic girth, how big is Batista's dick? Are there not rumours about he's he's had a few lady friends in the Divas department? Supposedly. So presumably, if the others are kind of recommending him to their friends... <laughs> Is that how it works? I don't know. Ask Mrs. Scrivens. Well, well but anyway, presumably they, they must they must feel he's a good catch, you know, a, a nice chap. Nice chap. With, with maybe some other attributes. So probably pretty big, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth prestigious King of the Ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin, an incredible victory. The first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my ring. Don't just get him out of the ring, get him out of the WWF. Because I've proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. Come on, that's not necessary. All he's got to do is go buy him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and try to dig back some of that courage he had in his prime. As the king of the ring, I'm serving notice 
to every one of the WWF superstars. I don't give a damn what they are. They're all on the list, and that's Stone Cold's list, and I'm fixing to start running through all of them. As far as this championship match is considered, son, I don't give a damn if it's Davey Boy Smith or Shawn Michaels. Steve Austin's time has come, and when I get the shot, you're looking at the next WWF champion, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Obviously, anything but humble, the fourth prestigious king of the ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin's ascent doesn't begin until he starts targeting Bret Hart in promos ahead of the Hitman's return in late summer. Secondly, WWE has rewritten history to make it seem like DX is at the centre of the popularity of the Attitude Era. Oh, very much so, yeah. While we won't see an early incarnation of that faction for about a year or so, it's my belief that it isn't DX... It isn't Shawn Michaels, it isn't Triple H, it isn't Mankind, it isn't The Undertaker, it's Steve Austin. The crowds start coming back and the audience start watching again to see Steve Austin. While those acts I mentioned are certainly important parts of the boom period and indeed carry the show when Austin gets injured in late 1999, the WWE's version of the Attitude Era now seems to place Shawn and Hunter as the instigators of the return to popularity And I think we'll see that that is not the case. Really, they just they just catch the wave that that Stone Cold's making. Actually. They catch a mood, but it's it's Austin that the crowd come back to see. Hmm. WrestleMaths, I believe, has a formula that breaks down the popularity of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, yeah, I think it's quite clear to see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but really, what you're looking for here is, I mean, three sixteen is is the, the bit that's caught everybody's attention, yeah. certainly numerically. <laughs> you want a ratio where you've got N, where N is an odd single-digit prime number. So you've got a ratio of N to N squared plus 2N plus 1. So your other options, if I was going to have one, would be 536 <laughs> or 764. It doesn't really work for me. If, if, you, if you didn't have it as an odd prime, but just had it as a prime, so you could, for example, have 2... You know, two nine doesn't really cut it for me. So, <laughs> I think it's clear that it's it's got to be an odd single digit prime. Of of course, if you wanted to, you could factorise n squared plus two n plus one. <laughs> <laughs> and that that is the reason for I, I think for, for Stone Cold's popularity. It is purely mathematical. Oh, I think it's quite obvious. Sir. I thought you were going to break down like the stunner represented a certain value and the 316 promo represented 316. No, no, no. You, you've got to take it because I, I just think it is, it's the numbers that that grabs the attention, isn't it? The numbers don't lie and they spell main event status, status. for Steve Austin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for some time. So, so sorry, what were the numbers you would choose? I'll probably go for 536. Scrivens 536 Six. says... Maths. <laughs> Says maths. Says Randy Orton isn't on this pay-per-view, love, sorry. Backstage, Kevin Kelly is with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Kevin asks Austin if his game plan has changed from Savio to Helmsley. Austin isn't too bothered and runs down Savio, but gives Helmsley some props for facing him. He brings Bret Hart into the conversation and says that if anyone has a problem with his language, they can kiss his ass. Good stuff. Stone Cold says that he's, he has a list and that everybody is on it. What's the point in the list? <laughs> Just go around attacking random people. Have you, have you never noticed that's his entire modus operandi? <laughs> yeah, but why, why go to the organisational depth of having a list about it? <laughs> if you're going to do it, have a spreadsheet. <laughs> I don't think the promo has quite the same impact if he says, Stone Cold's got a spreadsheet... <laughs> And, and everyone's, everyone's on, on my spreadsheet. <laughs> Plus, you would keep a list so you knew who you'd stunned and who you hadn't. I'd perhaps, if I was going to do it, I'd do a spreadsheet and have some kind of conditional formatting on there and some statistics. But, um... <laughs> I think Stone Cold Steve Austin would have been a very different character in 1996 if you were booking him. <laughs> that, that'd be true. Stop swearing, Steve, and, and get your spreadsheets out. <laughs> You'll go down much better. Interrupt people and have more anecdotes about cats. <laughs> Jim Cornette enters the ring for no reason, certainly not related to Yokozuna's stamina, whacking (laughs) Yoko with his tennis racket for the DQ at 5.05. Yoko corners him, but Vader enters and the two big men exchange punches until Bulldog joins in to gain Camp Cornette the advantage. Vader produces some handcuffs and they cuff Yoko to the ropes. Refs and agents come out and try to back Vader and Bulldog away, but Vader isn't bothered. Yoko manages to fight back for a bit, but eventually gets beaten down. Jim Cornette and Clarence Mason eventually manage to back Vader off. It's an interesting bit because as Cornette's 
in the corner. All the crowd, you can, you can visibly see the, the crowd opposite the hard camera are looking to the entranceway and for some time before it goes round and looks at Vader. Now, either he's walking very slowly for the first few steps down the entranceway or... It's so obvious it, Vader's coming out. Or he stands there and they want to kind of prolong it a bit. So he's obviously just stood there and they just don't show it on camera. So the, the crowd are just seeing him. I don't Stand that, there. That's my theory. Well, he, maybe he checked his watch and it wasn't quite Vader, Vader time. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's five minutes to Vader time. <laughs> I'll just wait here for a bit. And speaking of Jake the Snake Roberts, he's with our man, Michael St. John. Thank you, gentlemen. Back here I have a man of legendary proportion, the man, Jake the Snake Roberts. He is a man that you all recognize. He's a legend. Come on, Jake. Get on in here. The folks want to hear from you. You won't say this. You know, you get a casino, and everybody says, well, gosh, the casino, you should gamble. Let me tell you something, Hamble. You don't want to play cards with me because I'll cheat, okay? I cheat. You want to play 21? I got 22. You want to play blackjack? I got two of those, too. You want to play aces and eights? Maybe I got too many of those, too. Bottom line is this. You do not gamble with me. The only thing you should gamble is this. Listen to me. When you walk in a casino and you want to gamble, the main thing is you should realize this. To gamble, you must accept losing. I don't accept losing. You read down some of the stuff from Baywatch. I swear they have like a nuclear threat on one episode. <laughs> I'm sure that happens at every beach. I definitely remember seeing one when I was a kid where there was a load of, you know, like uh, sea mines, the ones that look like big urchins. Yeah. And there was an unexploded one of those that happened to float towards an oil rig that they were all on and blew it off. <laughs> I, swear, I swear that's an episode of Dad's Army as well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, the, the bit that I didn't necessarily see coming is that Terry comes, or Hulk Hogan, comes off his jet ski in, in a really big bump. And, and that was obviously a, a concern. What was more concerning is how, despite the trajectories, that the jet ski landed on him. Because I, I mean, I, cause I, I put a note on... Well, doesn't on, he fall off the back of it? Yes. I mean, I, I put a note on here that says, the jet ski looked like it took a Y equals minus the tenth of X squared minus X plus five trajectory, whereas Hulk Hogan looked like he took a Y equals minus X squared plus 9.5 trajectory if you're starting at roughly X equals three and looking towards the left. As it kind of appeared on the shot. And obviously I, I don't need to tell our listeners any more about those particular parabolas. Um, it'll obviously have a clear mental image now, but in no way, shape or form would they collide. Well, my, you're not the only one that's surprised at this because Yasmin is quite surprised and runs to help. My note says Hogan goes careering off his jet ski it hits him on the head and he dies the end <laughs> but because he is face down in the water for some time um <laughs> but also it appears to be a female only lifeguard beach <laughs> well at this point we're going to get to this okay so pamela anderson is also watching and we get a, a, a point of view shot through the binoculars seeing that what she can see yeah which is hulk hogan face down in the water about half a mile out to sea yeah by, by my <laughs> um, but they can wade out really quickly <laughs> I, I'm fairly sure he's dead. By, the, <laughs> yeah. sure he's by dead. the time they would have reached him. How much does a jet ski weigh? What? Really? They're, they're really heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and eight hundred pounds, I think the I think the they mention it at some point in the episode. So our opening match tonight is the Raw Bowl. Four team elimination match. The Smoking Guns versus Sid and the One Two Three Kid versus Owen Hart and Yokozuna versus Razor Ramon and Savio Vega. The Smoking Guns in white burst through some paper. Did people do that at American football games? I don't know. But and they're all wearing those little crop tops, which I'm assuming is what also American footballers wear. It was exciting. Out next are Owen Hart and Yokozuna, and Yoko rips the entrance way a little bit more. Yeah. A little bit. I say a little bit more. He makes a massive hole. Owen is number one, and Yokozuna is number six hundred and forty-one. And and the smoking guns are numbers forty-five and thirty-eight. Yokozuna is six four one because he weighs six hundred and forty-one pounds. That means that Owen weighs one pound. No, that means he's number one. Woo! Oh yeah. <laughs> Backstage, Brother Love preaches to nobody. Now this I really didn't get because we get a couple of these bits, and he's yeah he is preaching in the locker room to no one. And I thought this is going somewhere. I was confused by a lot of this episode. <laughs> I don't mind leveling with you. I don't think I'm stupid, but. I've, I felt stupid afterwards that like I didn't get it. Do American football teams get like reverends in to like preach to them before they start? 
Maybe if if that's a thing, then then it would make more but, sense. Like some football, like football teams have done that before, haven't they? But no, I swear that one team did had a lot of cup finals somewhere, and kept getting into one dressing room and then losing. So they I think they had some kind of priest go and bless it or something. Okay, it may have been at exercise the it. It may have been at the Millennium Stadium, possibly. Our third team are Razor Ramon and Savio Vega. Oh, someone in creative has remembered their friends. Number four and Uno, which I took <laughs> as to be one. Gold Dust's Usher gives Razor some gold roses, so Razor beats him up. Um, um, the, the, the Usher. Unnecessary roughage, says King. He says something about an illegal forward pass And well. Vince says it's an incomplete one, yeah. Goldust blows Razor a kiss. He's hiding behind the entranceway. Why doesn't he then go and beat Goldust up? Yeah. That'd take time. The final team are Sid and the Kid. Kid's number is obviously... One, two, three. And Sid is... To be honest, it looked a little bit like Infinity, but I think it must have just been It, double it was zero. double zero. So we've got eight numbers, and it being the 1st of January 1996 that this was broadcast on, we've got ourselves a natural target of 1,196. So this is very much going to be like countdown. So I've got the numbers 45, 36, 1, 641, 4, another one, 123, and 0. It's slightly <laughs> unconventional. But I took it myself... Uh, I gave myself a strict time limit of 30 seconds, so in true countdown style. So what I did to make my target, I did I start off by multiplying the smoking guns together. <laughs> so I, I got 45 times 38 is 1,710. I subtracted Yokozuna, um, his 641, to get me down to 1,069. I added the 123 kid to get up to 1,192. I added the four to get to my target of 1,196. However, then what I did, because I thought, well, you don't have to use all your numbers, but I'll, I'll give it a go. Plus I added, one, minus one. Well, I added one, I subtracted one, and then I added the zero. So I ended up with 1,196, Rachel. What do you make of that? <laughs> very very good, Scribbins. Very yeah, good. well done. Back inside, Jericho hits a drop kick off the top for a tube count. Is this the one where one of the commentators claims he's going 65 to 75 miles an hour? <laughs> I, I don't know, but does WrestleMath agree with that assessment? No. I, I haven't worked it out, but, like, seriously. What would happen if you drop kicked somebody at 65 to 75 miles an hour? Probably would sh- you kick their face off? We'd probably shatter all their bones. It'd do some kind of damage, yeah. <laughs> Inclusive, thanks. I, I don't want to be vague about it, but... Could you kick someone's head off at 65 miles an hour? If you had a foot like a traction engine? I don't think you'd kick it off. I think it would come loose. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to think, like, what, what's, like, what's a really fast power to? Something like 80, 90 miles an hour at football, I guess? But yeah, I, I imagine it would hurt. But then, like, if a, if a head is something like 7 kilos, if mine is, say, the, the mean average... Probably, kicking, probably a bit smaller than that. Kicking something <laughs> of that mass would be painful. Well, you, you must have been hit by a cricket ball, for example, doing 70 miles an hour. Or yeah, yeah. Oh, 60 yeah, yeah. to 70 miles yeah. an hour. So imagine if that cricket ball then weighed 7 kilos. Yeah, well, it doesn't. It weighs 5 and a half ounces. It, well, yeah. So yeah. how yeah. much does it do, hurt? Do, do, do you remember the time at high school where somebody threw a baseball at me? Oh, and it bowled you over? Like, literally, it, t- it hit me right on the kneecap. It just took my leg out from underneath. It was from. It, was from... it took your leg out from your leg. <laughs> it did take my leg out from my leg. Yes, it was from quite a distance. It was, and I remember because I, I, I was at the, um, the throwing end. I wasn't throwing it, but I was I was accompanying the person throwing it, and it looked fucking hilarious. Because <laughs> <laughs> Paul was there, and Paul was there ready to catch it, and then just suddenly, just like it, basically knocked his legs out from under. Yeah, him. it was. It was, did one, a comedy it was one of fall. these ones where it kind of bounced a few yards in front of me, and kind of skidded a bit off the off the ground, and just literally hit me straight in the kneecap, and I was just. On my face. Did you do like a Ric Flair comedy fall forward? It was. It, I'm sure it was. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit like was, that. Yeah, because yeah. just imagine somebody just like coming up with a sledgehammer, smashing you in the kneecap. It's <laughs> kind of what it felt like. <laughs> but anyway, I don't agree with whoever it was that said 65 to 75 miles an hour off the top rope. Rock. Tension is clearly mounting between you and the Undertaker. Now, do you think you can trust him tonight as your tag team partner? You know, you asked The Rock the question. Can The Rock trust The Undertaker? Well, The Undertaker comes out here and he shouldn't be worried about whether or not The Rock f***ed him off. The Undertaker should be worried, though, at the simple fact that The Undertaker has already f***ed off The Rock. 
So as far as for tonight's tag team match, The Rock has no problem with the match tonight. Because whether it's tonight, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's Unforgiven, The Rock has already made up his mind that he can't trust The Undertaker. The only person The Rock can trust is himself. The Rock can't trust The Undertaker, can't trust Kane, can't trust Benoit, can't trust this goof holding the camera, can't trust this chick looking and gawking at The Rock. The Rock can't even trust you, Lillian. Let The Rock ask you a question, Lillian. Do you like pie? Yeah, I do. Just like The Rock thought. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. Tilo gets up on the apron to throw the towel in, so Dusty gives him some abuse to get down. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's where he says he keeps the towel with him so he can shine his head. Yes, <laughs> brilliant line. Because <laughs> I'm starting to thin a little bit on top, and I just wonder maybe I'll. You're shine a bit it. like Teddy Long. Fairly like. I mean, I had my hair cut yesterday. Yeah, I've got a peanut head. <laughs> my head is really small. I, like <laughs> my, my near two year old's hat pretty much fits me. <laughs> Which Genuinely. is strange because you must have such a large brain for all that maths knowledge. No, apparently not. <laughs> Do you remember when we weighed your head? Yeah, it's something like about seven kilos. It's difficult to weigh exactly. It's really hard to weigh it your was, head. It was still attached to my body, but I was... I was <laughs> via the spinal cord. But I was doing my best to keep it still. Relax. Yeah. yeah. How did you try and weigh his head? Oh, it was on some electronic scales. We just put them on the floor and you lay down. <laughs> yeah, I had a, had a mass I don't, I don't know why. I think it's because there were some scales. It's like, wait, weigh your head. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's kind of, kind, of, kind of stuff that you do when you're young, isn't it? Yeah. Sounds, sounds just about be, right. Just be crazy. Why you are about twenty. Young to me. Back from break, and Luger whips Booker across the ring before hitting a running power slam for a two count. Luger adjusts his pants and gets dropped across the top rope by Booker, falling back into old habits. Lex, whereabouts is it in the match where Mike Tenay talks about addition by subtraction? Um, <laughs> where he's talking about. Booker hasn't got Colonel Robert Parker in his corner. Talks about addition by subtraction. Is that a good, good bit of wrestle maths? Well, to, to explain it probably more clearly, I, I don't know if he means that, you know, taking away a negative becomes a positive. I, I think, think kind yeah. of that's what he means. That's the inference. But addition by subtraction perhaps sums it up in a more clumsy way. <laughs> <laughs> well, well or, or more vague way. Up next is a six-man tag team match, pitting Pierroff, Heavy Metal and Pentagon against Latin Lover, Hector Garza and Octagon. I was really looking forward to this. Is Pentagon any relation to Pentagon Jr.? Good question, Adam. No, not at all. That's a shame. (laughs) But is is that why he is Jr.? Yes, that is indeed why he is a Jr. So he's not recreating the old... Well, he's, he's, not, he's not being Pentagon, and people are saying, well, there's that one called Pentagon, they both wear masks. Then, yeah. Well, interestingly enough, there are actually two versions of this Pentagon. This is the second guy who played the gimmick, and then, obviously, I think it's 2010, Pentagon Jr. gets given the Pentagon Jr. Gimmick. Yeah, I mean, they, they had the regular Pentagon, and then there's the irregular Pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew you, you, you would love this. I was all over the section that was that was Pentagon against Octagon. Well, well, I'm just going to let you know this now, that Pentagon was created as an evil opposite to Octagon. Excellent. W- would you feel that that's an appropriate way to frame this? Yes. <laughs> also, it's a bit Sub-Zero and Scorpion in Mortal Kombat, isn't it? A little bit. They're the same character model, but with slightly different sort of tassels. <laughs> I'd, I'd also quite like to see uh, just different, to what, different types of quadrilateral. Such as? Parallelogram. <laughs> that is a great name for a luchador. Or oblong. <laughs> oblong. Also, you may not get this, but I, w- I would definitely like to see a triple threat match with Octagon, Pentagon and Great Sasuke, because you would not be able to tell any of the three of them apart. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Brackets for this tourney come up on screen with Lawler named as King, which makes it look mm. like he's already won it. Won it. Mm. Yeah, it should be Lawler. What I really liked about this is it's it's good to see that by looking at the brackets they're obeying bid mass. Excuse me. So so brackets, indices, division, multiplication, addition, subtraction is the order to do your, your calculations in. So by getting the brackets out of the way first, they were obeying bid mass at WrestleMaths. <laughs> With April fifteenth just a few weeks away, I'd like to take a moment to offer a little advice as a certified tax expert on exactly what constitutes deductible charitable contributions. 
First of all, to be deductible, charitable contributions must be accompanied by signed receipts. Now, I know your heart might be in the right place, but unless your receipts are in the right place too, like here on my desk, then deductions for charitable donations are not allowable. Besides, who are you trying to kid? You don't give to charity out of the goodness of your heart. You do it out of greed. And the only person you're really trying to help by giving is you. You make the donations, you take the deductions, and you pay less tax. Well, I say that's cheating, which, in case you've forgotten, is not allowable either. <laughs> Ooh, I love this. The horsemen get the advantage, and Jarrett and Malenko bail. And all that time, the ref is going, ring the bell, ring the bell, like that's going to help. It never does. That'll stop them. Oh, you see, this was shaping up to look like something really quite yes. nice. And they and they stop it's, it. It's going well. And then I've never I've, I've never been so angry to see someone <laughs> as when Jeff Jarrett turns up in the ring. It's like, no, this was going to be good. Well, my next note is, in fact, if you needed another reason to hate Jeff Jarrett, this yeah. was it. Yeah. Ruining the closest thing we had to, like, a genuinely good wrestling match on yeah. the show so far. Like, you probably expect it from these two, mind you, when, when mm. you sort of look at the two names on paper. But it kind of did feel like they were sprinting through a good match. Mm. And... This kind of feels like the sort of match where, you know, if you were more focused on in-ring competition on a show, you would give this, you know, anywhere between 10 and 15 minutes. It would cross a couple of segments and it could be something really good. Yeah. But I guess then maybe you'd be even more pissed off when Jeff Jarrett just turned up after 15 <laughs> minutes and caused the DQ. I quite like the Mongo running, though. Always good to see he, him. He did this good slam, to be fair to him. Yeah, yeah he did his sort of almost black hole, hole slam, slam type move. Yeah, I've got down. Mongo was over, which is always fun to see, especially if you don't have to watch him wrestle. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I've, got, I've got to ask, very randomly, at King of Trios, when Billy Gunn and X-Pac were wrestling, they, they didn't happen to wrestle that moustache mounted, did they? No, they didn't. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> Six could have been scared of Trent Seven. <laughs> <laughs> because Seven, Eight, Nine. Bucket uh, someone. Fun with numbers. Yeah, at WrestleMaths. There we go. I know I said earlier that Brian Christopher and Scott Putzke were what Vince thought light heavyweight wrestlers were, but maybe I was mistaken. Maybe Vince thinks this is what Rey Mysterio is. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah. No, no, I, I buy that. I buy that. Given what was presented here, I wouldn't be adverse to seeing these guys again, but the fact that their debut in these gimmicks comes on pay-per-view says everything you need to know about the depth of the roster at this point in time. Yeah. yeah. Can they really afford to be going up to three-hour B-shows as well? Yeah, when you're filling it with stuff like this. I mean, I know kind of maybe other matches got more time because I could have seen that Brian Christopher-Scott Putski match maybe going about 10 minutes. Yeah. So I think other stuff does end up getting more time because of it, and maybe this is one of them. But yeah, kind of a 10-minute midget match on pay-per-view in the middle of the card. It, with it, no it, build whatsoever. With, yeah, with no build. It, it doesn't speak much to you know, you're not brimming with talent to fill your shows. And especially like we've said, when you're going from two hours to three hours, when what you're putting in is stuff like this, which like I say, it wasn't bad. It was quite enjoyable, but is is it pay-per-view quality material? Yes, I think it is. And I think it gets a good reaction. <laughs> Very forceful about that. <laughs> well, but yes, I do. Like you put like, and I know you can, can say, oh, we're contrasting it with, with the previous match, which was really poor. But actually, you compare this with a lot of matches that we've seen on pay-per-view, and it's significantly better than probably, I'd say, the majority of matches that we've seen. I wouldn't go that far. I would say this is way better than 50% of the matches that we have seen on pay-per-view. You said majority. 50% is not majority. 51%, then. (laughs) (laughs) Brett continues to kick the Patriots' ass before seemingly just deciding he's had enough and leaving. In the ring, the Patriot picks up what remains of his testicles and leaves. Mm. Jerry Lawler compares the Patriots' performance in this match to America's performance in Vietnam, which appalls Vince. Yeah, you, you can't say that. I think that's the first time you've ever said that. Yeah, well. I, I think this was a really odd end to the match. Yeah. Because you've got your mega baby face here, and Bret Hart just kicks the shit out of him, and no one comes out to save him. To almost no resistance as yeah, well. He just he just batters him for a good sort of like three or four minutes, beats up Pat Patterson for a laugh, and then just is like, right, done, and leaves. In these sorts of situations where you've got heel just relentlessly kicking crap out of the baby face, doesn't someone normally come down and actually stop them? 
But but you know what they did do, which made it all okay, is they kept ringing the bell. Because <laughs> we know there's one thing that's going to sort a situation out, it's continually ringing the bell. Mm, yeah. I thought this match was okay. I thought it was. It, it definitely was way better in the last sort of seven minutes of it. I think the opening was plodding and and not great. But yeah, it, it, the pace quickens, it livens up, and it, and it's not too bad. I quite like the ending with the Patriot putting on the sharpshooter, but Brett knows that move inside and out, so he, he knows how to reverse it around. I thought that was quite good. Yeah. I just thought it was quite perplexing how he just give him a good kick in for a few minutes after and, and that was it. I thought it I thought it was decent, you know, not not getting as far as good, but above average. That's, that's an old scale you've yeah. got there. But, I think decent and above average are okay. I mean, it goes good, decent, above average. Uh, hang on, I have a phrase. I mean, I'd, I'd go decent, good, above average. Okay. But I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's better than a 50%er, is what, right. what I shouldn't be making clear. 51%. No, I'd, I'd probably say this is like 55 to 60%. Okay. In that kind of bracket. Right. Is 100% this... being good. Sorry, 100% being outstanding. 0% being awful. Minus 10% being Farouk versus Savio <laughs> Vega versus Crush. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest at this time is a man who has been undefeated here on NXT. His name is Big E Langston. Now... Big E, we know it's it's standard operating procedure for competitors to defeat their opponents with a three count, but you've done something different. You've you've insisted on keeping your opponents down for the five count. Well, Byron. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. In fact, I have five fingers on each hand. After all, how many toes do you have on each foot? Five. You have a high Five. You've got a low five. I personally, I love... Excuse me! I am the Vicky Guerrero. I am a WWE superstar, a manager, and a cougar. And tonight... Excuse me! And tonight, I am here to recruit some, some men from my stable. And right now, someone has caught my eye. And you know, Biggie, I think, I am sure you and I could make each other very happy. <laughs> well, Vicky. I think I have exactly what you need. We see a shot of Stone Cold Steve Austin making his way through the backstage position as the heart-pounding pre-entrance music plays. I still do love that. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. Austin walks into the gorilla position and there is a few second pause before his music hits. The crowd go nuts and the rattlesnake makes his way to the ring. Tyson continues his awkward crotch chops as Austin makes his entrance. Austin stands atop the corners of the ring, soaking in the adulation of the worshipping crowd from every corner of the arena. Austin stares down Tyson, the pair trash-talking at one another. Did he get as big a reaction as you thought he would? Yeah, I think so. it's not quite stable, but it's pretty good. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because obviously we've watched it in a slightly disjointed way, so I've not watched the, the Sable match on the same day, because I'd love to hear those two side by side. I'd love to have, like, a popometer. 
<laughs> and, uh, and just see where like see where things are on the scale. Like it'd be a genuinely like interesting thing. That's what our next bit of merchandise needs to be: the Paul Scrivens popper meter. <laughs> uh, Measure end, your pops. At one end, you've got Linda McMahon standing up out of a wheelchair, <laughs> which is like nuclear. And on the other end, you've got Rockabilly. <laughs> and where does it fall, kind of in the middle on of that, that scale? But, but it's yeah. interesting because like. It probably is a bit bigger than Sable, but like, it's not far off, is it? No, I, I think it's substantially bigger than Sable. I think the volume's lower. I think they've turned the mics yeah, they, down. Yeah, this might be. The but thing. there are more voices, and they probably had to turn the mics down because of the volume of it. So even though Sable's might appear louder, mm, possibly Stone Cold's feels fuller. Yeah, okay. yeah. It, it certainly gets a positive reaction. He, yes, there's very few people booing. Mm. So, apparently everybody in this match is a jobber because neither team gets any kind of entrance when the show returns from commercial. We are greeted, however, by Jim Cornette in the ring, introducing the world's scariest geography teacher, Dan the Beast Severin. Mm. (laughs) I can't believe he used to be a geography teacher. That's, That's brilliant. It does get a reaction from the crowd and JR, who notes that Severin is the NWA world champion. Let's just lay this out here as well. And you asked this question earlier, Adam. I am actually not sure whether it's Severin or Severin. Yeah, because over the course of seeing bits and bobs, the commentators definitely use both. It's spelt seven, but I don't know. And I've heard people say seven, but then on commentary here they say Severin. I I think Severin sounds better because it sounds a bit like sever, which is a mean word. It is a mean word. Seven would just make him really lucky. but, but, But yeah, but I also, you know, in terms of my numbers of wrestling, you know, you've you've got six and now we've got seven. <laughs> That's your numbers of wrestling. Well, there's the number one Billy Gunn. <laughs> Too cool. Too cool. Three in man band. Three man band. Four horsemen. horsemen. Five. I don't know, did they ever sing the national anthem <laughs> at a wrestling event? There must be something for five. Answers on a postcard. Six. Trent and or Dan Seven. Seven, yeah. An eight ball from the Disciples of Apocalypse. Nine. It must be a nine. The ninth wonder of the world. world. China. And Ty Dillinger. Yeah. (laughs) Is there a zero? In fact, there is a zero. That's Chigusa Nagayo's other gimmick when she's in WCW, isn't it? Mm. So there you go. The numbers of wrestling (laughs) with Paul Scrivens. It started off with six and seven. (laughs) And it just went from there. Well, no, it's start with it. We started how, how about this? There's definitely a Viano 5, will that count? Oh, and Viano 3 and 4. Yeah. In fact, did, did one of those not pass away recently? Yeah, Viano 3 died recently. Mm. Having given the match to Ray versus Callow, I have to give the MVP to Juventud Guerrero as he bumped his ass off for Conad he did. in yeah. that match. He he was just a, a pinball flying around that ring, taking every German suplex, every power bomb, every lob to the outside that he possibly yeah. could. In in terms of making an impression, like again, if you were seeing someone like that in nineteen ninety six for the first time, that would make you want to watch more of them. Yeah. I, I think. Or maybe actually Luger for his cries of Sting as he <laughs> crawled up the aisle. Got got to me that this may be preemptive stuff. But the one, two, three kid, when he comes into WCW, does he go into that slot or does he end up wrestling the different style of character with the NWO guys? I would say he, he slots into sort of matches with the likes of Eddie and Dean okay. and Jericho rather than the Rays. I'm struggling yeah. to remember. I'm sure he probably does face Ray at yeah. some point, but I'm struggling to remember them having, say, an extended feud. I will say his WCW run is not the greatest portion of his career. I mm. think he's probably on a lot of drugs at the time. Yeah. So you, you won't get, say, a match, the value of that Brett match yeah. from Raw. I mean, there is a ladder match between Six, as he's known, yeah. and Eddie Guerrero at Sold Out, which, which which we may cover, and that is the standout match on the show. Yeah. But I would say that's probably the highest point and and there's some great wrestle maths for you. Why is he called six in WCW? I'm going to imagine he's the sixth member of the NWO. But also one plus two plus three. Okay, perfect number. There you go. At wrestle maths, folks. Okay. <laughs> Mullet of the night. Did you, but did you know it was a perfect number? Well, what's a perfect number? Oh, we're getting off on a different tangent, but yeah, we'll do that another time. 
I wonder if there's any other perfect numbers in WrestleMath. So I'll see, see if I can come up with some. And on that, not bombshell at all, really quite predictable finish. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash new generation project podcast. We are also on Twitter at the Let's Not Talk About the Product at All. Let's just have some explosions. New Gen Podcast. You can, as ever, rate, review, and subscribe for all of our episodes as soon as they are available on iTunes. If iTunes isn't your thing, you can check out new episodes on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash new gen podcast, on Stitcher Radio or on piledriverwrestling.net. Or if you've just found us and want to catch up, our back catalogue is going up one by one on botchamania.com. My name is Stuart Brooks. I shall see you later. I'm out of watch. Goodbye. And I'm 100% at Yes Paul Scrivens. That's actually a really good nickname. <laughs> Kevin be- it last night. That's better than the Axiom. <laughs> said this one was only going to be an hour we've done 51 minutes so let's wrap it up quick <laughs> three minutes of match <laughs> uh, actually two minutes of match we've got match if they're not an MVP today <laughs> have we done 51 minutes on that
Those my cracking stories. <laughs> yeah, there's ten minutes of Scriven's tangents. And, it... a, few, and a few about my cosines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some good uh, trigonometry-based humour. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got to give him five minutes for this now. Oh, you have another one of heart attacks. No, have you seen that episode of The Simpsons where they they judge his fatness by smacking his belly? Yes, and seeing how long it wobbles for. It's the wobble test. Well, that happens to me when I'm laughing. Now, if I laugh a lot, it keeps on going after I finish laughing. <laughs> I think that's a sign, isn't it? For what? for weight loss. <laughs> Slimmer's World. Insert advert here. That's what I want for this Christmas. What? what? The first three months of Slimming World or something? Well, no, just no, just whatever was just on then. Like, if he, if he, if he does an advert for WrestleGrade, it'd be WrestleGrade. Because <laughs> the other option is I was going to do one for Slimming World. <laughs> Possibly. Putting an advert for Slimming World there. Where in the world, slimming world. Is that the jingle? That's PC world. <laughs> yeah. Dif- <laughs> different things, mate. What, 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 one's, one's about weight loss, the other one's primarily selling computers. Yeah. Where in the world, slimming world? Oh, no, they could, they could combine, they could, they could fix your computer while you run around on a treadmill. <laughs> Well, just run on. You wouldn't run around on the treadmill. That'd be ridiculous. You just run on the treadmill. No need to go around anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was thinking about cosines again. (laughs) 